Okay. <clears throat> okay, we'll just try that again. <clears throat> this is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears. Federico is away this week, so I'm being joined by my good friend from a previous podcast, Bradley Chambers. Hey, uh, good to be here, Fraser. It's been a, a few months since we talked, since we um, 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 you know, kind of wrapped up our out-of-school podcast, so it's good to get to chat again, and uh, always mm-hmm. fun to do it on the Incredible Relay uh, uh, FM network, my favorite group of podcasters from around the internet. Well, it's good to have you on the show, Bradley. We're going to, uh, you catch me on an auspicious day because not two hours ago did I lock the school for the summer holidays. So uh, I, I'm uh, pretty relaxed today. Uh, the sun is beating down here in Scotland, would you believe? And uh, ready to talk a little bit about summer travel with iOS. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's something, you know, I've done a decent amount of traveling this summer. Thankfully, I think I'm done for the summer. But uh, yeah, in, um, so it's kind of near and dear to my heart right now because I'm, it's what I've been doing. Uh, it's spent a lot of time on my iPhone. It's amazing how much work you can really get done on on iOS. Again, there's some things I just can't do yet, but there's still just so much, um, so much you can do from just working on on iOS. Um, particularly when I, you know, when I was at, I was just came back from the annual ISTE conference in Chicago. It's one of the biggest K-12 tech conferences, I guess, in the country, if not the world. And when you're in conferences like that, you are just like on the go, in and out of sessions, walking around the expo hall, and you're doing so much work on your phone. You know, I end up taking tons of Apple Notes, taking tons of pictures of items, and it really just shows the uh, simplicity of the iOS iOS ecosystem that it can be the computer that kind of goes with you anywhere. You know, situations where you'd never bring out a laptop, but you're bringing out an iPad or an iPhone. Uh, we're going on holiday next week, and I think my plan at the moment is I'm only going to take my phone and my Kindle and no iPad, no computer. And I think, you know, for a week of being away with the kids and the family, I think, you know, an iPhone is is really, it's not only the only computer you need, but it's the only computer you want in, in these cases as well. So, uh, but there's lots to talk about in terms of, of getting organized for doing that and, and ways to to kind of survive as you go. Uh, so I thought we'd, Bradley, we would spend this episode digging into just, you know, travel related tips and tricks and, and interesting ideas and way, ways to work with stuff that I think uh, some of our listeners might appreciate. And I'm sure there's something that everybody does already, but I'm sure we'll come up with some things that uh, maybe people haven't thought of so far. Yeah, and you know, one thing I'd love to lead off with is if you are going to be traveling with just iOS, is it's you know, just as like I have like a, a travel checklist, is to make like an iOS checklist. Like, do I have mm. the right headphones? Do I have the right cables? Do I have have I downloaded the right apps? Do I have the right media synced offline? Like you know, kind of have a plan in your head um, so you're not scrambling. You know, on the way to the airport or when you're heading out of town with poor cell cell service. Like you know, kind of have that stuff done ahead of time. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Bradley, let's kick off with hardware, shall we, and, and talk a little bit about uh, some of the things to think about in terms of uh, dealing with iOS hardware itself as you're traveling around and, and maybe uh, getting into unfamiliar situations and things like that. And I suppose the first thing that's top of everybody's mind is usually batteries and charging, particularly if you're if you're traveling long ways, you're traveling internationally and so on. Uh, do you have any particular likes or dislikes when it comes to dealing with an external battery, say for a phone or, or an iPad? Well, uh, I, I really like the Anchor brand. Uh, I, I'm usually not a brand snob on access- accessories, but like a- Anchor has just been one of those brands that I just, I've just grown to really trust. And it's like, I know what I'm getting, even if it's not always the cheapest, I know what I'm getting and it really works well. Um, 
you know, and I always bring, it's going to sound dumb, but I always bring like way too many lightning cables when it comes to things like that for charging because my fear is always I'm going to like take one and then I'm going to like somehow fray, you know, it's going to get frayed or it's going to have a short in it. Um, so yeah, it's just, big thing is just finding a brand you trust. Yeah, two is one and one is none. I think the, the other tip I always have for batteries and charging, particularly when traveling in hotels and so on, is uh, look for uh, six foot lightning cables rather than the shorter ones. Because most, what, what is the deal with hotels not having a socket next to the bed? You know, why, why is this so hard? But it seems like a, a constant in hotels all over the world that the sockets are on the other side of the room for where you actually want them to be. Uh, so longer lightning cables is always a good thing. Uh, have you looked into any of the sort of anchor multi-USB bricks that you can get these days? You know, and I think it really depends on what you're traveling with. Um, uh, if, you're, if you're the type that's traveling with, say, a, an iPad and multiple iPads, multiple iPhones, uh, those are great because it does make it a lot simpler. So you're not having to take it, take like a surge protector or take five you know, iPad charging bricks. You can just bring one. But if it, like in your situation, that Kindle's never going to be charged. And your iPhone probably gonna be charged once to, once a day. So like if you're only charging one device, I'm fine with just bringing like one you know iPad brick and then one a couple of lightning cables. Now the hotel I stayed in in Chicago, thankfully, they had an outlet on the room had two queens and there were outlets on on both sides of the the, the nightstand lamp in the center and so it was perfect. So at night I would just plug in my uh, my phone right there at the, at the lamp and it was great. Um, you know, one thing I've gotten into here at home that I, I don't recommend for traveling are the Qi chargers. I love those at home. I've got one on my desk now and I, I've really gotten, it's just nice. I don't think about it, just set it on there when I come into my office and same thing on my nightstand at home. But I feel like for travel, I don't know, I just kind of don't want to deal with it. And then there are situations where, um, you know, maybe I'm sitting at the airport and I may only have 10 to 15 minutes to charge. And it's just way easier to find a power outlet. I can still use my phone while it's charging. It can get a faster charge from from the uh, power brick versus or lightning cable than it can the Qi charger. So that's that's kind of my recommendation there. Yeah, that that seems to still be an issue with Qi chargers is is how quickly they charge. And I think uh, people should be aware that if if you have the Apple USB C charger, the twenty nine watt one that comes, that's the standard charger for a MacBook. But you can also buy it with a, a USB-C to lightning cable. If you have, now let me get this right, Bradley. I think um, the iPhone 10 is the only iPhone that charges extra fast with that adapter. But the all 12.9-inch iPads and the 10.5-inch iPad Pro, um, they all charge much, much faster with that 29-watt adapter. Um, nothing before that does. But if you have very recent iOS devices, uh, that charger can be a godsend. And I tend to travel with... You know, whatever I'm doing for the family, plus that charger, just in case there comes a time when I really need to boost my phone up to 80% pretty quickly. Um, and, and that is just something that's quite useful to to take along with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what what happens, I, mean, I don't do a lot of traveling outside the U.S., but I know you do a decent, you do a decent bit of kind of country to country travel. Do you have any suggestions like for, for that kind of travel? Yeah, there's. If you're doing what you suggested there, Bradley, and taking along like a single iPad charger or something, uh, you may wonder like how how do you adapt that in a convenient way? And of course, you can plug it into you know your country to whatever country you're going to adapter. But a, a more elegant way to do it is Apple sell a thing called the Apple World Travel Adapter Kit. And what this is is you know how with the, the iPad charger and with MacBook chargers you can pull the plug part off and and it's got a kind of socket that you can replace it. This, the World Travel Adapter Kit actually has all the different 
um, Apple plug heads from all the different countries that they sell. So you buy this box, it's like $30 or something. And in, in there, there's a, there's a US one and a UK one and a, a, an Australian, New Zealand one and a Japan one or wherever. I, I don't know what all the countries are, but it covers a, a good range of countries and, and Europe is another one that is covered as well. So uh, that is, that's a very useful thing to have. I bought one years ago back when I was, you know, carrying like a 17 inch, I, uh, I was gonna say iPad Pro there, a 17 inch MacBook Pro. Uh, and I've just kept them in a bag ever since. And, and it's really useful because you can, uh, you can pull out the Europe one if you're going to Europe or the America one if you're going to America and you've got whatever works in that country and it's nice to kind of just sort of be native if you like and you can just fire it into just about any soccer that it fits in. Um, the one they don't do for is South Africa which is a country I've been to quite a few times recently um, and South Africa I've got the uh, the weirdest plug in the world probably it's, uh, it's uh, as inconvenient as a British plug but even less safe and well designed uh, it's this huge enormous plug which is kind of I think it's like a 1950s British design or something but it's this enormous plug with huge fat pins and uh, it's a very inconvenient one to, to carry in your bag because it's so huge but um, obviously not every country in the world is covered by that travel adapter kit but it's certainly uh, it's certainly a useful thing to just keep and you know if you're if you're going abroad, just flip out the the local one and put in the one you're going to. It's a handy thing to have with you. Well, and I think one thing to kind of, you know, when we talk about all these different kits, like if you don't travel outside the you know your native country that much, don't spend tons of money coming up with like every possible scenario. Yeah, but one of my one of my tips along with that is um, buy your adapters before you go. True. Because once you get to that other country, they don't necessarily have like your specific plug to their specific plug. Um, they've got their plug to everybody else's plug. <laughs> so I, I, I had this problem, uh, I can't remember. I think it was, I was in Europe actually and, and um, I, I couldn't get a two Europe adapter anywhere for some reason, it was really bizarre. Um, so definitely get your, get your plugs before you go. I actually have one other thing. I mean, I could go on about plugs for quite a long time, but uh, I have this, um, it's, it's Fuji branded and it's a kind of, um, it's like a power brick that you plug into the wall, um, but it adapts any plug to any other plug. Uh, so you can put in a British plug on the back or an American plug or an Australian plug, and then different sets of pins come out the front and you, you can adapt it to any other one. And it's also got USB sockets in it as well. So that's quite a handy thing. I, I tend to take that when I'm traveling by myself and it's good for like your phone and your Apple watch and just plug in one socket and you've got that going. It's got two USB underneath. I'll try and find a link to that in the show notes, but it's it's like a worldwide adapter and it has lots of different sets of pins that you can stick out and, and plug into just about anything. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's just you kind of wish. I know there's no way that would happen, but like power, it's like give, give me a universal standard. Uh, but I mean that is the benefit. Well, USB. <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. I mean, it's yeah. what you, honestly what you really hope like long term is that like hotel rooms will just adopt like uh, like USB C. I mean, like you, like ten years from now, I don't necessarily even want like a bunch of power plugs in my room. I really just want you really just want a bunch of USB C plugs, and then you don't even have to worry about it. Do you have security concerns about charging from public USB sockets? Yes and no. I try to avoid it, um, but like I know it's like you go to an airport and you plug that. You know, I was at the airport and like they had AC adapters and then um, USB, and so I plug in. But on the iPhone, um, it always asks like, "Do you want to trust this computer on the?" If like there's somehow a computer on the other end, you said no. Yeah. And I think that's that's how you can tell whether it's just like a regular power or there's like some sort of device on the other end. But yeah, always um, just make sure if you see that, the hit no. 
Yeah, I, I got that one time when I, I was on a plane and I plugged my phone into the, there's a USB socket on the seat back and it came up and said, do you want to trust this device? And I was like, hmm, how deeply can I get into this plane system from my phone? I don't know. But uh, clearly, I think what it was was that you could download your photos onto the plane's computer or something like that. I don't know. It, it seems like a security horror show to, to me. But um it's something to be aware of, you know, there is a possibility and perhaps more so if you, you're running like an older Android device or something like that, but you can buy from Amazon for like five bucks, uh, USB power isolators, which is, it's like a, a short USB, it's like, it looks like a memory stick and it's got a USB socket in one end and a plug on the other. And if you plug that into the socket and then your device into that, all it does, it, it prevents the data channels on USB from being passed through and it will pass through only the power. So it's, it's a good way to isolate your device from the socket. So it's like a little a little uh, circuit breaker, if you like, for for your uh, USB. Oh, that's good. I, I never thought about that. I'll have to look that up. That would be good to keep in the bag. Yeah, I have one somewhere. I, I had one because my car had a USB socket in it, but every time you plugged in a device, it would start playing the, the music from the device. So I wanted it not to do its data connection. And uh, I just keep it in my travel bag just in case. Um, let's let's talk about audio a little bit more. Uh, headphone splitters for the car. I know you've got kids, same as me, Bradley. And uh, have you tried this with with the kids? Uh, one, two headphones, one iPad kind of thing. We, we haven't, but uh, we actually have used those some in the classroom here. And I know Belkin makes a really mm -hmm. nice one. Uh, and and that's the thing, especially for the iPad. That's still a possibility, obviously for. Uh, iPhones, it's going to be like if you're trying to share music to somebody, that's going to you're going to need some other devices. Um, you know, you're going to need to have the Lightning to um, headphone jack in, in between. But uh, yeah, we use those in the classroom, you know, quite a bit. The and there's a I think it's called Belkin Rockstar is the one we use, and they work really well. Okay, is that one that's got a Lightning plug on it? No, this one's got a three and a half plug, so this would work well for okay. like an iPad, for three iPad. and a half out to multiple headphones, and and, and they're really cheap. They're like twelve dollars on Amazon. And mm -hmm. you know, we've had up to five kids watching on one iPad. Like if they were watching a specific thing, just they've all been watching it and have all have their own headphones and, and works well. Yeah, one, one of my daughters got this a pair of headphones. It's called Beats Mixer. Uh, obviously the Beats brand from Apple, but the, the model is called Mixer, M-I-X-R. And it has this kind of headphones pass-through thing on it. So um, April and Beth will sit in, in, in the back of the car and April's got the headphones on and she's plugged into the phone, but then Beth's headphones are plugged into April's headphones. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a pass-through chain, daisy chain kind of thing. And two people can listen to it, but it's actually built into the headphones, which I thought was quite a nice feature. Oh yeah, it is a good idea. That's a nice idea. Okay, my last tip, Bradley, for for hardware and, and travel is always travel with an HDMI cable and the Lightning HDMI adapter. Whenever you get to a hotel room or something like that and you don't want to watch whatever's on TV, plug in that cable into one of the open ports in the back and, and stream something off your iOS device. It's a lifesaver. Yeah, and it's a lot easier than traveling like with an Apple TV or something like that and a lot simpler setup because sometimes yeah. it can be hard to get like you know, Apple TVs um, on the network, like if it's a hotel that has like a captive web portal, uh, it's a whole lot easier just to get your iPhone on there because you, you can even you know, just play something that's locally stored on your device. Yep, I've been to some hotels recently where they have they have like a socket panel in the wall below the TV, and they've actually got the HDMI port right there, as if they're kind of encouraging you to do this sort of thing. Uh, I've I found it to be very helpful you know if you want to watch a movie in a hotel or something just have that cable and adapter there just in case every time i stay in a hotel and like have to use like regular cable i realize why well, i don't have it at home because it's like there's never anything on okay bradley let me pause for a second and can i tell you about a new sponsor we have for the show tonight yeah absolutely this episode of canvas is brought to you by our friends at caffeine security 
Caffeine Security is a boutique cybersecurity consulting company, and they believe that every company should be able to secure the data that's important to them, plus they think it should be simple and affordable. Everything at Caffeine Security is led by a senior or principal consultant who has experience implementing complex security programs for all types of companies, from Fortune 50 companies to VC startups and small businesses. They can offer training, cybersecurity evaluations, and security architecture, and help you plan your security roadmap for the years to come. Protecting your information shouldn't be as frustrating as having to blow compressed air into your keyboard at a 75 degree angle, which is Apple's suggestion for stuck keys, by the way. Caffeine Security make it easy. They've seen many attacks and breaches and they know what works in the real world. They're offering a free quick start cybersecurity roadmap for small and medium businesses to the first five listeners who request it. So if you have an SMB to protect from ransomware with backend services to secure, or if you're a company that needs the ability to remain agile, head to caffeinesecurity.com slash relay right now. Our thanks to Caffeine Security for their support of this show. Okay, Bradley, shall we push on to software? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think this is one place that I really feel like iOS really excels um, versus the Mac. There's, I, mean, I think that's obviously the expectation with iOS that you're traveling with it. And uh, so you obviously, the, the, you know, the, one of the best things is you've got these devices that have LTE connections or 4G connections, so, you know, certainly the iPhone, but even the iPad. It makes it very, very useful, um, you know, because one of the things we end up doing in the car, a little, not a ton because I don't use all my data, but we use like the LTE hotspot uh, so kids can maybe stream a quick video from Netflix if they're getting cranky in the car, and it works really, really mm. well as long as you have a good cell connection. Yeah, I've been doing that for quite a few years now, and I, I couldn't believe the first time it worked. I mean, I can't remember how long ago it was, but it was, well, it was when Georgia was a baby, so it was at least four or five years ago when I started doing this, and I I, I couldn't believe, you know, that you're, you're driving down the road, 70 miles an hour, whatever, like streaming video to other devices through your phone. So this is really the future, you know. Um, so yeah, a personal hotspot is, is a really, really cool thing to have. And just like, I guess, you know, make sure you're not blowing at your data cap with uh, with all that stuff. Um, but usually these things are quite controllable these days, so it's not too bad. Uh, uh, security again, Bradley, uh, VPN services. Are you a... a a VPN user when you're out and about on public Wi-Fi? I, I am off and on. The one I the one I love is used to be called Cloak and now it's called Encrypt.me. But one of the things that especially when traveling I find is generally like public Wi-Fi is so bad that by the time you add that kind of the VPN overhead, it's almost like unusable. So I end up like good example, and it was when I was at the ST conference, the Wi-Fi was so congested, I was I was just better off on my LTE connection. Um, and, and so at the hotel, it wasn't bad, but like in the conference center, certainly it was just, yeah, it's might as well just use my cellular connection. Yeah. I mean, for the, for people who aren't familiar with the security arguments for using VPN, uh, when you're on public Wi-Fi, where there's no password to get on the network, anybody else who is, a, is around that network area can pick up the data that you're transmitting and it's not fully encrypted unless it's encrypted between you and the server you're using. Um, but if you're using, let's say, an unencrypted website, people could steal that information and, and use it uh, on their on your behalf. So a VPN service sort of protects you from that that kind of attack. And it's something that might be worth thinking about, but as, as Bradley, as you say, uh, public Wi-Fi is as good as no Wi-Fi in, in so many circumstances now that anywhere you've got an LTE signal, it's probably better off just doing that and, you know, combine that with personal hotspot and bring your own public Wi-Fi for your family and that'll, that'll usually get the job done. Yeah, and nothing even even if it has a passcode, there I know as like a Wi-Fi admin, you can see a lot of what 
it's just happening on the network certainly and you know non-SSL traffic so you know just even if it's even if it is at a conference that has a passcode something else to consider is just your personal privacy yep I suppose in more prosaic matters, managing data roaming is something if you are uh, near or crossing an international border, managing data roaming might be important because obviously, depending on the countries you're going to and coming from, uh, sometimes mobile data can be extremely expensive as you go abroad. And iOS does a pretty good job of this, I would say, Bradley. Of course, first of all, you can just turn off mobile data from, since iOS 11, it's right there in Control Center. So you, you pull down Control Center, you hit that little antenna button, and your your mobile data is turned off. So you can kind of have a very you know, high level of confidence that you're not going to uh, be charged for data that's being leaked back and forward uh, while you're while you're not using your device. But there's also settings in the, in the mobile settings for... Uh, turning off mobile data usage on on a per app basis. So you might want to keep it on for maybe WhatsApp if you want to get messages and so on and just pay that small cost. But then you may obviously, if you're on your home network and you uh, have maybe unlimited or a very high cap and you use, I, I mean, I do this, for example, download podcasts without uh, on cellular without waiting for Wi-Fi. Um, I usually want to make sure I turn that off before I go abroad because, you know, you're on a, a $12 per megabyte thing and suddenly a new ep- uh, podcast episode comes in and that's going to cost you a lot of money. So uh, bear in mind that you can turn it off for individual apps as well as turn it off for the whole device. Well, and one thing to consider too is your photos. So um, as of iOS 11, you can sync your iCloud photo library over uh, cellular. So depending on your setup, you may or may not want that. I know like you had a situation a few years ago where your wife lost, um, she got her phone stolen and then she, mm-hmm. but you, that was before iOS 11 came out. So she lost all of her photos from that week, but she hadn't been on Wi-Fi. So, but on the flip side, you could be uploading a lot of videos over cellular. So it really just something you need to be aware of and consider, you know, what are your options? And if you're not going to do it to make sure you try to do find spots on Wi-Fi throughout your travel to get those photos uploaded to iCloud. Yeah, that was that was a very unfortunate situation. We were in France and we got a bag stolen, and then you know it's a sort of rite of passage in France to get a bag stolen, I suppose. But uh, we we hadn't been on Wi-Fi at all the whole week because uh, both of our phones had a we had a kind of package where we could take our data pro- programs to the other countries in Europe, and we could use we were using data freely. You know, we were just treating it like we were at home, and and that all worked fine. But because that was in iOS ten days, iOS ten didn't support uploading iCloud photo library over cellular. Uh, neither of us had had um, connected to the cloud for our photos in about a week, and Karen's phone was stolen on the last day of the trip, and we lost all her pictures from that week, which was was really that was actually the most upsetting thing that happened. You know, the bag was a shame and the phone was a shame and all that stuff, but that was the one thing that we couldn't no no amount of insurance money could replace that. So, um, yeah, be aware of that if if you are uh, spending a long time away from Wi-Fi. Okay. Um, what other security features, I suppose, while we're talking about you know potential theft and things like that, um, obviously have a pin code on your phone. I mean, I, I don't suppose that's really, you know, I think the last time Apple shared some information about how many people have a passcode on their phone, it was like high 80% now, possibly more. Um, and obviously you want to have that on. And, you know, some people have concerns about that kind of thing and, and biometrics and touch ID and face ID when you're traveling across borders and what the legal rights are when you're being... Uh, spoken to at the border and can they force you to put your fingerprint on the phone and things like that so I, I know it's a practice that some people use which is to turn off your phone power your phone right down before you get to the border and then um 
power it back up when you get there on the other side because if you turn the phone off then it requires the passcode in order to enable the biometric features and there are different legal protections for passcodes as well it's not something i've ever done bradley i don't know if you yeah, I really take a lot of care over uh, security at the border. No, I mean, we. I just don't leave the country that much. I haven't left the U.S. That's a way to solve it, I yeah, suppose. I, yeah, I went to Belize uh, last year, and it was like no issue at all. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a, it's a different situation when you're coming into the U.S. and, and the U.S. is not your home, but I, I always feel a little bit weird... Um, you know, go into uh, an immigration booth and the guy's got a stapler on one hand and he's got a gun on the hip on the other hand and I'm sort of like, oh, a strange combination of things to use at your work. But um, yeah, it is something some people do and, and particularly you know, people who may be politically exposed in different places, uh, bear in mind that one way to kind of prevent or, or to disable the uh, biometric identifiers on iOS devices is just to power them off. And even if you have to start them up again, if you don't unlock them the first time, they will always require your password before. Yeah, and... Um one of, you know, one of the new features coming in, I believe, uh, maybe it was 11.4 that it came or it's, it's coming soon, is where if you don't use your phone for like, I think like an hour, that before it'll transmit data over USB, that um, it will have to be unlocked first. Yes, I, I recently saw that um, somewhere. It was, oh, it was my daughter had, she forgot a passcode on her phone and I was going to try and reset it somehow. Um, but I couldn't even connect it to Apple Configurator on my Mac until, uh, because it had, she was running the iOS 12 uh, to test on her phone and that had kicked in and, and I couldn't even see it on USB until it was unlocked. And of course we had to just sort of DFU it at the end of the day because we couldn't get around that. Security is, uh, the security works, yeah. Okay. Um, other things to do with sort of software features that are useful for traveling? Yeah. I mean, one of the big things I love is obviously make sure all your devices have Find My iPhone turned on. Um, and then that's very helpful if you lose it. And then also um, Find My Friends is certainly helpful to have for uh, family members. And if you have like an iCloud family sharing set up, all your family members will be able to see your location by default. Yeah. Find My Friends is, is, is really great, but we use it a lot. Um, when we go on holiday with other families and we're traveling in separate cars and we want to, you know, we sort of all take our own way to, to the place we're going. Uh, but, you know, whoever gets there first, they can see how far behind or how or wherever else MDLs is. And it's uh, it's really useful for stuff like that. We actually have, in the, we have done in the past a whole episode about Find My Friends. And um, we, I can refer people back to that for more details on what Find My Friends can do for you. But it's it's one of these apps I'm, I'm a huge fan of. And some people sort of don't get it or they don't understand why they would want it. But I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Friend of Friends. You know, one of the things you, I've kind of heard discussed on some of the podcasts is how you deal with like swapping your SIM cards and iMessage. And to me, it's just not worth it. I think you're better off to look at an international travel plan from your cellular provider. I know with T-Mobile, I get unlimited international. And because because your iMessage ID is tied to your phone number, if you pop in a new SIM card, it's just going to kind of get it messed up. Um, it's obviously fixable, but you're some sign in, sign out. And to me, you're better off uh, if if you if you don't have unlimited data or you know um, international data plan, just rely on apps that use Wi-Fi. Um, and, and and certainly iMessage is one of those. Um, and then. Um, it, 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 to me, it's just kind of not worth it. I mean, if you've got to get a SIM card, you're almost better off to like deactivate iMessage on your phone um, because it just kind of creates a headache when you try to like, you know, get, go back to your regular number and et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't think I've changed SIM cards in about five years at this point. Uh, I certainly used to do it when I, I would travel and I would go and buy a local SIM card and pop it in, but particularly the iMessage issue, but also a few other things you're sort of like, ah, oh, it's 
you know, and also the international plans have gotten a lot cheaper at the same time. So it's almost like the cost benefit's not worth it anymore. Uh, and I would certainly recommend looking into affordable price plans before you go rather than relying on a local SIM card. Bradley, let me tell you about another sponsor for this show. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom. If your website was down right now, if visitors couldn't access your content or couldn't click that all-important buy now button, how would you know? The answer is you wouldn't until it was too late, and that's why you need Pingdom. They give you the peace of mind you need. Pingdom will let you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. They're dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable. If you're a Pingdom user, monitoring the availability and performance of your server, database, or website will be a breeze. They use more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. Start monitoring your site today. All Pingdom needs is a URL, and they take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash reallyfm right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code CANVAS at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and all of Really FM. Okay, Bradley, what's next? Let's talk about apps. Um, and, you know, one of the things, you know, obviously, if you've got, like, uh, airline information, I always have that stuff in, stuff in Apple Wallet. It just makes it really, really easy to, you know, scan right there. Uh, I've even seen some people that, like, have, you know, a picture of it trying to scan it, and they can never get the size right. Like, the Apple Wallet size is really just perfect. So anything you can throw into Apple Wallet, it's you know, much recommended to do that. Yeah, they the also, this, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the subtle trick that Apple Wallet does is when you bring a card up to be scanned, it puts the screen up to full brightness so that this, it gets a good scan. And I think that's why sometimes when people take a screenshot, it doesn't quite scan as reliably as, as things out of Wallet because uh, the screen brightness getting bumped up to help, uh, I suppose, minimize reflections and things like that would uh, helps the scanner quite a lot. App, I mean, weather apps is obviously a key one to have. Um, do you have one that you like to use while traveling? I'm a huge fan of Weather Pro. I don't like the way it looks. We've talked about this before in the show about weather apps, but I love its data. And I think for for a weather app, it really just depends on where you live and who's got the best data for your area. But I find that in the UK, Weather Pro is incredibly reliable, both in terms of temperatures, but also what I care about more than temperature, I suppose, is precipitation and the question, the eternal question in Scotland, is it going to rain today? To which the answer is uh, sort of two times out of three, the answer is yes, at some point it will definitely rain. Uh, but Weather Pro is, is my favourite app and, and I think it, it gives good data for the UK and, you know, different countries may have different apps that make sense there, but uh, Weather Pro is definitely the one that stays in my on my phone when I'm travelling. Here in the U.S., I really like Dark Sky, uh, just for that kind of up to the hour. It's really, really accurate, um, you know, on the hour. Like, hey, it's going to rain in 20 minutes. It's really, really good for that. And a lot of third-party apps here in the U.S. use Dark Sky's API as well. Okay, so weather apps definitely something you want to have. You got to, you've got your travel information in Apple Wallet. Um, I'm going to throw another one in here, Bradley. Apple Notes is a great app for travel. And I don't know if if you've ever done this, if you've planned like maybe with your wife or with other people you're traveling with, but sharing an apple note with other people is a killer travel planning tool and we've we've done this for a few trips recently and the fact that you can pile in there you know um you know pdf printouts of receipts for things you're going to or tickets you've booked uh links to places on the map all of that kind of stuff you can just put it all in there and everybody can see it and when people edit it you get notifications it's it's a really super way to plan trips yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that it's just easy. It's built in. It's it's good to go. And we have a uh, uh, 
you know, kind of on the same line, we will do like a shared reminders list between my wife and I on like things we got to have. Like if I think of like, hey, don't forget the sunscreen or something like that, but using those shared reminders lists and then you can cross it off when it's been packed. That's a great idea as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what do you like for entertainment when traveling? Um, if you have a Plex server, I really enjoy like downloading media offline for Plex. Obviously that's, I think the, the big thing for all these is being able to download offline. So you don't even have to worry about you know, yeah. downloading it. Um, Netflix and Amazon prime also offer offline video. Hulu doesn't yet, uh, here in the U S but the rumor is it's coming, uh, coming soon. But yeah, those are kind of my three, uh, Amazon, Netflix and Plex. Yeah, BBC iPlayer in the UK is also, uh, obviously it's one of the big ones in the UK, but it also supports uh, offline downloads as well. And of course, the newcomer, Bradley, I don't know if you've you've had YouTube Red in the States for a while, but uh, it's been renamed YouTube Premium, and now it's here in the UK as well. And uh, this offers ad-free YouTube, but it also offers downloading. Uh, I've, I've used YouTube downloading before when I've been in countries like South Africa where it used to be, it's available free in like countries where data is very expensive, but in in Western countries, I suppose, uh, it's, it's now become this premium feature where you can get download of YouTube apps, uh, YouTube apps, YouTube videos. I haven't tried it yet. I'm about to sign up for it because it's the summer and I'm going to use that all summer and see if I like it. But I'm quite excited about that, I think. I mean, I probably watch more YouTube than Netflix and Amazon Prime put together and I pay for both of those and I don't pay for YouTube and I'm sort of wondering if that's if that's the right thing to do. You know, um, I've, we've had YouTube Premium here forever. There's just not enough I watch on YouTube to make it worth it. I, I it Really, I would have to swap uh, I feel like I need to swap one. Like if I was going to get YouTube premium, I would need to swap. And my kids like the other two. So <laughs> exactly my problem as well. Yeah. On another, you know, another category of apps is mapping apps. And this is something I've really been talking a lot recently uh, on nine to five Mac is like kind of looking at Apple maps, Google maps in ways. And, I had an article uh, just here recently that I'll drop you if you want to put it in the show notes about like some features that I would love to see Apple Maps bring over from Waze and Google Maps. And I, I really like Apple Maps. Like I, I genuinely do. I know some people think, oh, it's garbage, but it's I genuinely like the interface. And I think especially like if you have an Apple Watch or currently if you have CarPlay, it's the only thing you can do. Certainly with iOS 12, Waze and Google Maps will have the option to build a CarPlay interface. Uh, but I, I like it now. I think there are a couple things that it really, really needs. Uh, it needs to have offline downloading. I think that's something that Google Maps does that is very, very useful. Uh, you can zoom in and out on an area and mark it as down, you know, download it offline. So that is very useful if you're traveling uh, and you're not going to have a good cell connection or a cell connection at all. You can still have a, a map and you can download a, a decent size of an area maps. Yeah, you can have multiple hundreds of megabytes, I think. And yeah, they do expire for like 30 days or something. You have to kind of re-up them, I guess, to catch new changes. But I, I genuinely think Apple should have that option. I don't know if it's a licensing thing or not. Um, another thing that Waze does that's really, really good is it kind of has this social um, feature where you, if you see like a police officer running radar, you can, you can, you know, um, there's a little button you can say like, you know, report police officers. It's certainly ideal to, you know, better off to do this, like have a passenger be reporting this. And so there's just like kind of social collaboration of like where traffic is and, and it can actually uh, also detect your speed. And so it has like documentation, at least here in the US, of like what all the speed limits are. And it, like, it will actually alert you if you're at the speed limit, you can set this how you want it. Like you can say, hey, when I'm at the speed limit, give me a ding. When I'm five miles over, give me a ding. 10 miles over, give me a ding. And 
you know, it's just great things about, hey, there's a car on the side of the road. You can report all kinds of information and then people behind you will be will get updates like, hey, someone's reporting a you know, police officer two miles ahead and then you can thumbs up or thumbs down it as you go by to kind of reconfirm it. And there's just, there's a couple of those features that, that I would love to see Apple um, add. So I really almost end up using all three mapping apps if I travel, uh, ways for any kind of driving I'm doing. Um, Apple Maps, I, I'll use for like kind of looking up uh, locations and looking at phone numbers. That's kind of what I use. And then if I'm going to be in a place where I don't trust the cell service, I'll just download the map on Google Maps. Yeah, that's, that's a good rationale for using all three, Bradley. I think yeah, all, all of them have got something that's good. And uh, I mentioned to you offline that I just got a new car, which is CarPlay for the first time. So I'm kind of back on Apple Maps after having used Google Maps for quite a long time. And I find Apple Maps fine for the day-to-day stuff, you know, um, like you're away somewhere and you want to just hit the Siri button and go navigate home and it will take you home. And, and I, I often use that even if I know where I'm going because, you know, just in case there's an accident or something, you might want to look for a, a better traffic route or something. And people often ask, like, why are you putting the map on when you know where you're going? And I'm like, well, you know, you never know what's ahead of you on the road. And I think Waze is not an app that I have really used very much before. And I, I'm curious to look into it maybe a bit more. One of the things I really like about Google Maps is it supports multi-stop trips. So you can actually add multiple destinations on your Google Maps and uh, this is even on iOS. Um, it's, it's done that on the desktop for forever. But in terms of navigation, it will do multi-stop trips. And I also think that Google Maps has a better interface for, um, you know, if you know what I mean by in-route searching. So you're driving somewhere and you need to stop for petrol or you want to stop at a supermarket or something like that. Um, I think Google Maps does a better job of showing you where your options are relative to the route that you're actually driving at the time. Apple Maps does do something a bit like that, but I find it not as clear in the way that it presents that information. So uh, a couple of things that I particularly like about Google Maps, but uh, all three are good options to to have on your device. Here's something that's awesome about Waze as well. It does that really well. And it'll even show you like the price of the gas at a gas station, like the current well, price. Because I mean, that's cool. yeah, yeah. It, it's, of course, Google owns Waze. So um, oh, I'm, really? yeah, they actually own Waze. And so it's, it's I'm, I'm, I think there's a reason they haven't kind of just merged it back into Google Maps because it's really got a strong following. Um, and so like if you hook it up to your Facebook account, you can even see like where your Facebook friends are driving. Like I, th- I think you can, I'm sure, do this on like a per person basis, but like you can kind of almost like a find my friends type thing and see where they're at on the road. And yeah, it's it weighs is really good for travel. Again, I don't use it day to day, but if I'm traveling, I uh, definitely use it. When I, Again, when I'm driving, not like... Airport traveling, no. But like, if I'm driving somewhere long distance, absolutely use Waze. Yeah, I can't wait to see both of those come to CarPlay in iOS 12. I think it'll be be nice to have options in there too. You know, another category of apps that like there's, I don't know, I know a couple options are like kind of airline uh, apps, and you know where you get and the one the one I really like to use is, is called Kayak, and I think TripIt Pro is another one. And what I like about like Kayak is in sort of how like if we're Google. Gmail will add airport or flight information to your calendar already. You can just forward information about your trip and it will kind of like categorize it in a nice interface. So like you forward okay. your hotel confirmation, your airline information, like rental car information, and it like kind of, I guess, just somehow scrapes it and like really makes you a nice interface. So you have all the information about your travel in one app. Like and it kind of, like I just had a Chicago trip. I've got a Minnesota trip coming up this fall and I've already got the, the flight information. Like they're just two separate trips inside of Kayak. That's interesting. I, I love those kind of apps. And the other one that I've been experimenting with a little bit recently is there's an app called Google Trips 
where if you use Gmail, as, as many people do, uh, Google Trips will actually auto-populate you know, suggest travel suggestions. It's kind of like, I think Google bought Zagat a few years ago. I can't remember, but I don't know if that's particularly related, but it'll, you just open it up even for the first time and it'll say, you know, you know, trip to Johannesburg, trip to Chicago, whatever. And it, you go in there and it's got information for you, but it will also um, suggest places to go in those areas and different kind of um, curated collections of things to do, you know, for kids and for museum lovers and so on. Uh, it's quite an interesting app. I think it's sort of early days for that app yet, but I think it could be a really, a really cool option in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, last topic, Bradley, uh, Apple Watch for travel. Well, and this is one of those places where, again, going back to mapping, if you want to, like if you're doing in a city where you're doing a lot of walking, you absolutely want to use Apple Maps because it is the only one with a native app where it'll like actually vibrate your wrist when it's time to turn, even for, certainly for driving, but also just for walking directions as well. Yeah, that's a really cool feature because then you don't need to, like sometimes walking around with your phone out all the time makes you really look like a tourist and, and ob obviously then potentially a target if people were looking for that kind of thing. So having that just sort of subtly tap you on the wrist while your phone stays in your pocket is a can be a huge benefit depending on where you are. Um, one thing I like to do with the Apple Watch when traveling Bradley is sort of have a, like, like a travel watch face that I... I flip into for traveling, particularly when I'm traveling internationally and uh, on flights where there's different time zones at either end and so on. Um, so what I'll typically do is I'll put, you know, the watches on whatever time zone your phone thinks it's in. But, you know, once you get on the plane, it's it's it'll be in your origin time zone until you get to the other end. Um, but you have a complication there for you know my home time zone so that if I'm trying to maybe organize a call home, I can always be reminded of uh, where uh, what time people are at at home, but also things like local sunrise and sunset, which is not a complication that I use very much on a regular basis, but I found it to be very useful when traveling because, um, you know, I live in Scotland and in the summer, you know, it's, it's light till 11 o'clock at night and in the winter it's dark at three and other countries, you know, sunrise and sunset come on at different times and um, sometimes they come on a little bit quicker as well. So you don't get these long, long evenings that you do in Scotland. So knowing when it's going to get dark, if you're out and about, it might be a very useful bit of information to know. Yeah, funny story about the, the time zone. I, when I was flying to Chicago, I was leaving uh, Chattanooga, which is on Eastern time, and going to Chicago, which is on Central. Well, this lady, I was sitting next to the plane, like she had a connecting flight that you know, went out like at 7.30. Well, we were getting there at like 7.10 Eastern or so, like, and she was sweating it. And like, mm. she's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it. I'm like, she was like talking to the flight attendant. She's like, I what would I do? She's like, well, we'll get you off as soon as we land. Well, then she said something. She's I was like, when does your flight go out? And she said 710. And I was like, ma'am, it's 610 in Chicago right now. You know, we were about, <laughs> you know, she didn't like account for the time change, like, of, you know, of the, like your loot, your, you know, technically the, the Chattanooga to Chicago flight's about a two hour flight. But if you figure the time zone, it's only an hour. Yeah, this is. Uh, I've done many lessons in school where I've tried to explain to children how to how to deal with airline schedules and the fact that every time is local to the place where the thing happens. You know, um, and see the number of things you have to sort of back up and teach about in order to explain that feature is is very complicated. You know, first of all, like what are time zones? 
And why do we even have them? <laughs> okay, why is it not the same time everywhere in the world? <laughs> and, you know, eventually you're sort of, right, let's start with a solar system and let's work our way into that. So uh, that's a, sort of quite a challenging lesson to get through. But uh, it's an important life skill to know that your your plane events happen in the local time zone at all times. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. That's a good tip. Um, you know, obviously, you know, weather apps on the watch are great. Uh, I really like the interface for Carrot Weather. It uses the Dark Sky API. And again, I don't know how this works overseas, but like you can really customize the interface, like show just various little things. And I believe you have to have like a premium subscription to, to be able to do a lot of this, but you can get like a, you can get that for a month for 50 cents. So it's really good. But I really think that Carrot Weather has the absolute best Apple Watch complication. Bradley, it's been great having you back on the show um, or back in podcasting together. Uh, Tell people how they can find you. you got a new life on 9to5Mac doing a whole column there. Yeah, uh, on, on Twitter at, uh, at Bradley Chambers. And then I have a weekly column, two-week weekend columns on 9to5Mac. Uh, on Saturday, there's one called Making the Grade. It's about K-12. And then I just have usually an opinion column on Sunday. It's kind of like your Sunday morning opinion column. Um, and so, um, yeah, so um, depending on when the show comes out, you'll have two articles uh, to listen to coming up this weekend uh, um, looking at uh, a single sign-on service for K-12 schools um, that kind of eliminates the need to build accounts everywhere. And then I'm also going to be looking at password managers on Mac and iOS and kind of looking at which one is the best one. So yeah, check me out on uh, 9to5mac.com. Very cool. This has been Canvas episode 54, Travel with iOS. You can contact the show. We're at underscore Canvas FM on Twitter. I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter and Federico, if you want to wish him well on his holiday. He is Vitici on Twitter and we will be back with you next show. <laughs>